Gentlemen, welcome to episode 17 of My Version Podcast. This is going to be about Byberry on my way home from work. I uh, just wanted to start off with uh, the tail end of our first trailer that Jay Sheck and I made uh, over five years ago. If you don't know, February 5th, um, we released our first episode of uh, Byberry Stories. Go to at Byberry Stories on YouTube or at Byberry Stories on Instagram. Uh, check it out. Share it, please. Watch it. Look at it. It's 16 minutes long, and that sets the tone for uh, you know your stories. Uh, you can go on the YouTube channel and check out the time I almost died in Byberry. Uh, we filmed that over two years ago, uh, and then we have you know a bunch of others coming in, uh, and a lot of you know personal stories along the way. But anyway, check that out. Um, it is uh, on YouTube. Um, anyway, Jay Shack and I. But uh, I wanted to read a poem to start. Uh, you know, this is Byberry was my favorite childhood uh, teenage memory to um, explore. Imagine, for those of you that don't know, uh, a dozen buildings ranging from, you know, house-sized, uh, all connected to, um, you know, six-story, you know, giant hospital buildings, uh, auditoriums. Um, uh, you know, there was a, a five-foot or four-story laundromat. Um, but anyway, this is where we got to hang out as kids growing up in Northeast Philadelphia. It was about two miles from my house. Um, we would all congregate at the playground, which was about the halfway point. And from the time I was like 14 uh, until the time it was knocked down when I was 17, we had explored there, I mean, almost for, for a couple of those years on a daily basis. But uh, I mentioned I wanted to read a poem. I have this poem tattooed on my back. I wrote this back in 2009 under a pseudonym, Todd Jenkins, which was uh, what I used to graffiti in Byberry, uh, name and Todd Jenkins. But anyway, so the poem goes, <clears throat> Abandoned yet occupied, insane asylum, thick beige walls now covered in Krylon, illusory visions, flashbacks of abuse, mental incompetence and intolerable noose. Electroshock therapy, experimental medication, solitary confinement without mediation. Overcrowded hallways, overcrowded rooms, overcrowded mortuary, unmarked tombs. Forsaken in 1990, demolished in 07, the remains of Byberry, my vision of heaven. Todd Jenkins. And uh, I actually have a tattooed under building W7. Uh, south unit, as we called it, on my back, uh, which will probably be the um, thumbnail or whatever for this uh, episode. But anyway, check out the Byberry documentary under Byberry Stories if you haven't already done so. And uh, yeah, let's talk about why it was so you know unique, why it was you know so interesting, and uh, for me anyhow, it was the first time I went in there. I was like twelve. We stumbled upon it uh, after baseball practice or hanging out. There was the laundry building uh, across from 
shortstop deli right there on the corner of uh, what is that Southampton Road and there that that was right next to the current which is still there the um, the only part of Byberry really that remains is the uh, self-help buildings that are attached and the original doctor's cottage which like the mansion which was a haunted house in the 90s and abandoned you know obviously throughout uh, but they just refurbished that right before Right when I lived in Philadelphia briefly um, with Olivia and where we had our daughter, so uh, 2019-ish. Um, anyway, other than that, most people don't know that all the buildings, you know, they, they assume that was Byberry, that's what you went in. But the real Byberry was, you know, behind the, the, what we called the camel humps, which was the bike trail to get through. You know, behind Wawa from the boulevard, uh, behind what was... Um, uh, what was that steak and ale uh, behind on the boulevard and then to Southampton and then Endicott. I mean, you had, uh, I don't know, I don't know if it was hundreds, but dozens of acres. And again, there was huge, massive buildings, two of which were, you know, six or seven stories tall. The one that was tattooed on my back, you could actually see the Philadelphia skyline from. Uh, you could go through these buildings connected by tunnels when you were getting into the buildings, uh, you didn't know whether or not there was going to be, you know, uh, a police or security, you know, at the front or, you know, driving around doing their rounds and they were going to catch you. Sometimes going from building to building, you would, you know, hang drop from a rooftop or climb a tree, go down to the, the first story, run across and then go through a, an open door. Um, but you had to run down the trail. Sometimes you had to climb through a window. You could light fires in these buildings and there were really little to no repercussions. Um, you know, as, as a kid, as a pyro in the early 2000s, cell phones were just coming out. Uh, we were carrying disposable cameras and, and flashlights that we would go to Kmart and, you know, uh, either buy at full price or this happened to be around the time that um, the self-checkout came out. So around this time, you would just swap stickers, you know, that, that I don't know, that, that $10 flashlight was now, you know, a uh, 99 cent candy bar. Um, but anyway, I'm not proud of it, but we were kids. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, we single-handedly put uh, Kodak disposable cameras and Kmart out of business. Uh, but anyway, so we would walk and walk and walk on the way to get there we would actually cut through this guy's house that we nicknamed Chester the molester because he was a legitimate child molester uh, that lived in this you know 200 year old house um, right there on Worthington Road and he had the biggest house it was originally part of the Worthington farm I actually later interviewed this guy when I was like you know I don't know in my 20s um, just for fun just for funsies but anyway so get in the library we'd go through his yard cut through you know maybe get chased by him run uh, down across the train tracks, um, you know, come back up, go through the fields, go, eventually they knocked down that laundry building I was talking about when I was like 14. So then after that, we would just go to the main buildings, the biggest buildings. And I'll give you the first time that um, I went to Byberry. We, uh, I met uh, my buddy Shane, Shane Faison uh, of Fight Tips, shout out to Fight Tips. He had karate that day. Uh, I think we were in, I don't know, maybe sixth or seventh grade. 
Uh, he had karate that day, so we had to wait for his cousin, I think Dom, to drop him off. I think that's who did. And uh, dropped him off at shortstop in the Mustang, I just remember. And he was like, hey, let me introduce you to a couple of the guys. Here's, you know, Sean Courtney, who lives down the street from you. Here's Mike Fenton. Here's a kid named uh, Steve Gabrielitis that at the time we called Gay Fagitis. Uh, that was his nickname, Gay Fag. But uh, anyway, I'm sure we'll be canceled for this years down the line. Um, I met uh, Tara. Uh, I met Shannon. Uh, I met uh, Little Bill. Um, Bruce Kelly. Uh, three of these people I mentioned so far are dead. Um, anyway, so uh, we so awesome group of people at this time. We're young kids. Uh, we meet over on the boulevard. One of the funnest things was we were waiting for the girls to come off the bus. We were with two other people too. Um, I forget. They were older. I didn't really. Anyway, so uh, I'm probably like 14 at this time, and uh, maybe 13, 13 or 14. And um, we we were on the boulevard right right by the armory. You'll see this if you ever look on a map, or maybe I'll post it. And there was a sign, like a uh, marquee sign. So we changed all the words. You know, again, these are kids in the early 2000s. No one really has cell phones. This is what you did. So we're changing the sign on the marquee to say, like, you know, uh, anal butt sex or something instead of, you know, gun show this weekend. Uh, and we're waiting for SEPTA to come. That drops off the girls. I'm eager, okay? I'm, like, anticipating to get in this place. And so far, I've spent, like, two hours waiting at the playground, an hour waiting at shortstop, an hour now doing this across the street. And I just want to get in these buildings. And so uh, here we go. We walk down across the boulevard on Southampton, um, you know, down Endicott, uh, go straight down. It's all on the right-hand side. You can see it now. Um, you would get to the end. There's what we call the camel humps, which was a little bike trail, bike path. We go through that, and there it is. It opens up to a building that I actually originally wanted to get tattooed on my back, but after looking at it, would would have sucked because um, it's a big, boring building. It's like a loading dock called Temple, and we would go in through what was called Tom's room, which was right in the center. And the reason it was called that was because someone named Tom wrote their name all over the wall about 700 times. Uh, and then we go through that. We'd go, um, left would take you right up the stairs. And you know, that was, you know, you'd run right up the stairs and you'd be, you're in now. Like this was where a lot of people would congregate here and another rooftop called Champ's Couch. But this was a shorter roof. It was like only two, three, I guess you're up there three stories now. Um, and you, it was really the only way in and out unless you wanted to go down go through a window, which would lead you to a, a one-story roof, and then we would walk across that um, and go drop down from either a tree or hang drop onto the ground. Um, we would then run down the path about, I don't know, like two-tenths of a mile, uh, and we'd run right into the, the Champs building, which um, my people are going to kill me, uh, which I think was N8. So you go into Champs, uh, you, when you go through that, it was, a lot of times the door would be open. A lot of times the windows on either side would be open. I don't remember how we got in that one, but I remember going upstairs from there and going to Champs Couch. Um, 
Champ's Couch is really just a big uh, concrete slab on the roof of um, uh, on the roof of this building. There's a there's a gutter that I know my friends had climbed down to get to the bottom. It's like a four four story building. You're on the fifth story because you're on the roof. A um, lot of graffiti. That's where a lot of us hung out. I don't know why. I guess it was a little more secluded, more centered. You know, you, you weren't really uh, accessible or seen, you know, if you were just kind of back a little bit. But you could also see security around there. Um, anyway, uh, then we would go, uh, again, this is, let's say, the first time. I'm kind of mixing memories now. but So the first time, you know, we go down, and now we're all, uh, you know, going through tunnels. And I have no idea, really, like, where I'm at in this place. The only person I really know is Shane and then... You know, I have a couple friends that live down the street from me that I'm getting acquainted to now. Um, and, you know, we're going through these tunnels that, like, you have to kind of rock yourself left and right. Because if you were to walk straight, it would it would hit you. There's like a pole, you know, every uh, five feet on the left and every five feet on the right, but they're staggered. So you kind of walk back and forth a little bit rocking and you go. And then I remember there was, you know, another tunnel that we, we climbed into. We had to climb into it. And as we're looking at, you know, climbing into that, we're passing other tunnels, by the way, and they're boarded up or rocked up or, you know, and, and we're getting a grand tour by by Steve, Stevie G, we later started calling him because he stopped liking the gay fag name. So, um, but we called him that for years. Anyway, uh, so he's like a great tour guide. I mean, he knew every intricacy of these places, uh, of, of these buildings. And so he takes us to the auditorium. I'm blown away. There's an auditorium that is, you know, bigger than my, bigger than my schools. Um, I don't, I don't even think I was in high school yet, but bigger than my high school auditorium. Um, it had a catwalk. So if you go all the way to the top of that, there was a catwalk, which was, I could only describe by like a 12 to 18 inch, you know, um, it was like two, two by fours basically next to each other held up from the ceiling by, you know, just straight down, I guess, steel threaded, you know, bolts, I guess, and, you know, and, and they were long and you could walk this thing and you were probably no less than, I don't know, 60 feet, 75 feet up at least, um, scary as shit. Uh, and that was kind of like a cool thing to do. There was a spiral staircase behind the curtain. The curtain was like, so just jagged, ripped. Um, the auditorium had graffiti everywhere. It was chilly in there. It didn't matter if it was the summer, you know, spring, fall or winter. It was chilly in the auditorium. It was an eerie fucking place. Um, and then, uh, we, you know, make a lot of noise. Okay. Which is supposed to be a no, no, but when you're with Mike Fenton, he throws all the rules out the window. So, uh, which we loved, I loved anyway. So anyway, we, um, we go to fucking, uh, you know, we're, we're going around and all of a sudden this giant dude comes out from behind a door, scares that got him like fifth in line. Otherwise I would have shit myself, scares the shit out of all of us. And he's got this little rat tailed pony tailed, I don't know, uh, you know, weaselly looking kid behind them and, uh, their security. Now they both have flashlights. They're not supposed to be in the buildings, um, but they also like to explore. At this point, Fenton had a reputation. I believe at this point already had a reputation of you know having 
well, been a suspect in cutting the power to their security trailer um, and also locking them in, uh, also graffitiing it. And it was kind of a menace there. Uh, but anyway, so next you had, uh, we, we get these guys and they're like, listen, you guys need to shut the fuck up. We've heard you from, you know, uh, we heard you when you were on champs, we were over at W seven. We heard you, you know, when you were here, we were there, you know, you can't be this loud. It's ridiculous. So anyway, they, they, you know, let us go. Well, then we continue on our path. We continue on our journey. I forget where else we went. Again, we're going downstairs, upstairs. We, we're going through what, what they called the echo hallway or the long hallway or the dark hallway. Or, you know, there's there's stories of, uh, you know, machete guy or, you know, there was a guy who collected, you know, probably I don't know, dozens of dollars at least in coins and just, uh, you know, stacked them around him. He was a homeless guy, right? So there's all these, you know, people in there. I don't know. They, I can tell you hundreds of other stories about running into other people throughout, but my first time I'm in there, again, I'm a kid and we get these security guards. They, they say, okay, you know, shut up. We don't shut up. We continue doing what we're doing for another hour or two, maybe an hour. Uh, and, and then we run back into them again and uh, they take our batteries out of our flashlights and they escort us out. And I thought that was the coolest thing they could have done. Um, because, you know, I don't know. I'm, I was a Husky kid. I wasn't really running. Uh, I could have got away from the big guy, but the little weasel probably not. And my friends probably would have just, I don't know, killed him. So anyway, it was an awesome first time. That was my, uh, you know, my my hit. Okay. I, I'm, I chased the dragon from then on because it was like, you know, we shot our first guns in there, um, you know, uh, fireworks in there. Uh, you could throw mortars down a hallway. You could light a fire in a room full of mattresses and throw 200 cans of spray paint in, you know, into a fire. You could, you could ride a four wheeler or a dirt bike down a hallway. Um, you know, and at the same time, you could also scare the shit out of anybody that you wanted to take inside. And it was the, it, it was for years, one of the coolest things to have in your backyard. So, uh, that is my passion for a long time because after they knocked it down in 07, uh, Shane, my friends, Victor, his now wife, Alexis, our friend, Ed, uh, we drove up to, <laughs> uh, Long Island and hit three mental hospitals that were abandoned there, Connecticut two there, Massachusetts two there, uh, all the way up to Maine to a boys school. Um, and we camped out at most of these places. Uh, and that was in the summer of 2008. So it was an influential part of my life. Obviously I told you in 2008, uh, I didn't tell you the year, but in 2008, I got a tattoo on my back of Byberry. Uh, and then uh, a couple years later, I wound up getting the poem underneath. And I used to graffiti Todd Jenkins in Byberry. Um, and, you know, I used to graffiti name because I thought that was cool because my name's Thorn. You know, you can't tell anybody your name's Thorn. The reason I came up with Todd Jenkins was because, uh, you know, when somebody says, hey, uh, who did it? Who's in trouble? And you say Vince, Tom, Joe, Bob and Bill uh, and Thorn, you know, what's the only name they remember? But if you say, you know, Bill, Bob, Joe, uh, Todd, and Jim. Okay, you don't remember them. 
so anyway, that was my that was my theory there. Oh shit. Um, sorry, boss. Almost just got rear-ended because I wanted to stop at a yellow light. Anyway, um, I am almost home, so I'm going to end this with uh, just a quick little preview from the Byberry documentary. Um, and this is uh, a little trailer that Jay Sheck put out there. Listen up. Byberry. They had to make a video pleading the public to cut them some slack. All hospitals for the treatment of mental disease have many problems. With two student nurses and maybe three attendants, we have all we can do to bathe the patients, get them to cafeteria, take them to the doctors, give them their medications, and try to keep the place clean. I'm the psychiatrist out here. I'm one psychiatrist for over 600 patients. What can you expect? Things got so Listen, go check it out uh, at Byberry Stories. Again, give it a thumbs up, give it a review, give it a comment, share with your friends uh, this podcast if you'd like, uh, say something about it, uh, and that's about it. So, uh, nothing else. Enjoy your evening, guys. Um, I feel like I left you with something about Byberry, my tattoo or something, but uh, yeah, anyway, we'll get to it some other time. Take care. Bye. Oh, wait. All right. I remembered what it was. It is, I mentioned Todd Jenkins, uh, the pseudonym that I wrote the poem to. You should tag it. Da, da, da. Well, uh, if you read through my poem tattooed on my back and just look at the capital letters that aren't supposed to be capitalized, the capital letters spell out Thorn, T-H-O-R-N-E, is, and then it's signed Todd Jenkins. So that's it. That's all I wanted to say. Um, Enjoy your night, ladies and gentlemen. That's all. Oh, boy.